Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your PointsBet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this T-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstalk Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink, and thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. (laughs) What's up, guys? Back once again to review week number nine for our beloved Chicago Bears. Another home loss, uh, this time to the Miami Dolphins, but another, another loss that we walk away from feeling better about the or feeling good, I should say. I don't know about better, but feeling good about where the team is going. You know, obviously we have a lot of uh, room for improvement uh, on the defensive side. Um, you know, and 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 it makes you wonder. It's like, yes, we're missing Robert Quinn. Yes, we miss Roquan Smith. But you know, Allen Williams has seemed pretty good at uh, figuring things out at halftime and and kind of uh, you know closing things down. In the second half, it's like he just needs to figure out how to do that initially in the first half because you heard the announcers talking about it. The Bears give up the most points in the first half or in or even in the second quarter uh, or something like that. But in the second half, we're one of the better defenses the NFL has to offer uh, right now. So it's 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 something that's kind of frustrating that uh, it takes us, you know, taking a beating in the first half to figure out how to slow down. Uh, our opponents and um, you know I know that we don't really have any playoff or Super Bowl aspirations this year but we'd be probably be looking at something much different if we could come out of the gates uh, playing good defense as opposed to uh, watching them kick our ass for 30 minutes and then figuring it out at halftime so um, you know it, it would be much much uh, much more exciting uh, I think if we could come out playing defense from from jump, kind of like in the Patriots game, but uh, maybe Allen Williams just needs ten days to prepare for a game instead of six or seven, uh, like everyone else gets, uh, kind of thing. So, 
Anyway, uh, another dazzling performance uh, from our quarterback and the offense puts 30 points up on the board for, you know, the third game in a row. They're averaging 31 points since the mini buy. 33 against New England, 29 against the Cowboys, and then 32 uh, today uh, against the Dolphins. The unfortunate part is that we are 1-2 in in those games because of our defense. So, anyway, let's go ahead and get this thing and get this thing going and and, and break this bad boy down. Uh, Bears fall to 3-6, and six, losing to the Dolphins 35-32. This is the Week 9 Review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So, let's get to it. Hang up the Sunday at Soldier Field, we were looking at beautiful 60-degree temperatures uh, in, in the first weekend in November. And, um, you know, there there had been rumors the day before, well, not necessarily like rumors, but forecasts that because of the, the rain on Friday and Saturday uh, in the Chicagoland area that we could possibly be looking at another 49er quagmire that would definitely help us out against this pass-happy uh, offense, number one in the league uh, coming in uh, and everything. But um, that did not happen. It was bright and sunny throughout the uh, entire uh, football game. Uh, fall back, it happened the, you know, in the evening prior, so we got an extra hour to, to sleep, an extra hour to prepare for this one. Uh, and it was needed, that's for sure, because as I was talking about in the open, Allen Williams didn't exactly have a cohesive defensive strategy to stop or slow down, uh, which probably would have been a better strategy, slowing down uh, the Miami Dolphin passing attack because after the Bears got their opening drive uh, field goal, the, the Dolphins made it look super easy, six plays, 75 yards to score the touchdown and take the early lead against the Bears. And... um you know, as you hear me talk about in the knee-jerk reaction, both drives for the Bears and the Dolphins helped out tremendously by a um, pass interference uh, call. Uh, each of them, you know, the Bears got a, a big one for uh, on Chase Claypool and another one uh, for the Dolphins on Kendall Vildor that uh, put the uh, Dolphins at goal to go uh, after the – because it was in the end zone where the penalty took place uh, and everything, so – you know, both teams helping out their opponent by giving them yards they didn't earn, but nonetheless, six plays, 75 yards, not even three and a half minutes off the clock, the, the Dolphins were able to, to score, and then they did it again uh, at the start of the second half, because their second quarter, because what, what, was, what was kind of funny about the first quarter was that it was virtually dominated by the Bears. And, you know, because their opening drive was four minutes long, eight plays, 61 yards in the, for the field goal. And then after the Dolphins scored their touchdown, the Bears held on to the football for the remainder of the quarter, a drive that lasted seven minutes and 40 seconds um, and, and you know resulted in a field goal to start the second, literally the first play of the second quarter. And so it's like, you know, the Bears have the football, they've got the yards, they've got the first downs, they've got the time of possession, but we're on the losing end of the scoreboard right now. And, and like, hopefully this is a pattern that won't hold and that we'll come out and we'll get some stops and uh, we'll be able to slow Miami down. But I guess I was being a little optimistic uh, about it because, um, you know, that wasn't in the cards until, 
until the damage had been done because we we actually end up shutting the the Dolphins out in the fourth quarter. But by that point, they'd already put 35 points on the board, including 14 uh, in the third quarter. So those brilliant second half uh, adjustments that that Allen Williams has been you know known for uh, so far in the season didn't happen until the fourth quarter. They became brilliant fourth quarter adjustments uh, when we finally slowed down slash stopped them from scoring uh, in the fourth quarter. But uh, in the first quarter, knee-jerk reaction, you hear me mentioning, it's like, hey, we, we're, we're, we're winning the game, but we're not all at the same time. <coughs> knee-jerk reaction, first quarter, Bears and Dolphins. And somewhat of a dominant first quarter uh, for the Bears as far as controlling the clock and uh, moving the chains not much to show for it in the points arena uh, at this point both the Bears and the Dolphins on their opening drives moved the ball fairly well but also had pass interference calls that attributed to most of the yards gained uh, on that drive a 28 yard pass interference call intended for Chase Claypool uh, on the opening drive got the Bears in the field goal range and that's where they stalled out a 32 yarder from Santos gives us a three nothing lead same scenario with the Dolphins. They get a first down here, a first down there. They go for it all to Tyreek Hill in the end zone. Kendall Vildor called for pass interference. Balls at the one. Miami finishes the drive, puts it in the end zone on a Raheem, uh, a Raheem Mostert uh, touchdown to make it 7-3. And the Bears have had the ball ever since. It's been a, I think, somewhat like seven and a half, eight-minute drive thus far. Uh, we just got a first down on third and ten to end the quarter we're deep in in Miami territory we need to finish this one we can't settle for another field goal we can't have you know 11 minutes time of possession uh in the first 15 and have only two field goals to show for it especially with how explosive uh this Miami defense uh can be you know they they had a pass interference call that that lent them their their first touchdown but they're fully capable of getting those yards uh on their own so we need to be able to finish these drives, put it in the end zone, and see how we go from here. I believe, kids, that will be that's what we call foreshadowing. Now, of course, I meant how explosive the Miami offense uh, can be, but I, but I also said that we we can't afford to, um, you know, to, to to screw around with this with this offense. They're way too they're way too dangerous. I mean, Tua statistically is one of the best quarterbacks in the league this season but I don't think he's regarded as a top tier quarterback at least not yet anyway it's it's more so a product of the weapons that he's got surrounding him with with those two dangerous receivers and Mike Gisecki uh, a decent running game uh, behind him and, and, it, and in the first half it was just so it was cringeworthy at times watching watching the defense on the field because Miami basically did whatever they wanted to to do like even that first touchdown drive um you know second play a second down for the dolphins 17 yards to waddle uh the very next play um you know three yards to Giuseppe, two yards to mostert 33 or 18 yards for uh sherfield one of their other uh receivers and then the um pass interference call followed up by the by the touchdown, but then after we come in in the second quarter and very first play, 18 yards to Cole Komet, who is a touchdown machine all of a sudden, and, you know, we're up 10-7, and here comes the, uh, 
here come the Dolphins, you know, chugging right down the field uh, once again. And it was the the second quarter was was how that was how that went, and and, and uh, it, it just it was frustrating to watch because the Dolphins were just gashing us. They did it uh, in the second and the third quarter. We just had no answer for anything they wanted to do. It, it just it looked like it was going to be another game. Uh, another Cowboys game where they just went up and down the field. They did whatever they wanted, and that was uh, that was it, you know, kind of thing. And it just it was it's frustrating to watch. And it's, again, full context, you know that the we're missing Quinn and Roquan. It's like we still had these issues with with Smith and Quinn in the the lineup. They just weren't as extreme. Like, obviously, we still had problems stopping uh, teams. We still had the worst run defense uh, in the NFL. Um, it, it's not like the pass rush was, you know, has gone completely off a cliff. We didn't have one even when we had Quinn in tow. And, you know, it, it just seemed like Roquan showed up. He he had two really outstanding games, the one against the Texans, where he had the 16, uh, 16 tackles, the uh, he had a sack late in the ball game. And then obviously he had the interception that put us in field goal range to to kick the game winner. And then he was all over the place against New England. Uh, and then he was a complete ghost in the Cowboys game and got traded the you know a couple days later to the uh, Ravens. You get to see him play tomorrow for the Ravens for the first time uh, against the Saints on Monday Night Football. I'll definitely be chiming into. Uh, to check that one out uh, for sure. So, but it's, you know, it's I like they keep saying like we're we're missing our two best defensive players. Is like that's true, but our defense, it's not like we were a top ten defense. We traded those guys away for parts, and then all of a sudden we're the worst unit in the league. We were pretty bad before we traded those guys. So, and, and again, I'm not trying to tramp on. Uh, on Robert Quinn or, or uh, Roquan's uh, Chicago Bears grave or anything. I'm just being realistic. It's like, I know we weren't giving up points like this before those guys left, but we were definitely getting gashed in, in the running game. We were definitely having trouble getting off the field on third down. Both of those guys were still on the team when Minnesota went 12 for 15 on third down uh, in that game in week five. Uh, both of those guys, uh, you know, were on the team when, when we were struggling uh, against Green Bay and you know things like that early on uh, in the season we just weren't giving up the points but at the same time the offense wasn't playing this well I mean imagine the record we have if we'd been playing like this from the jump because I, I think that's what we all expected with the way that we progressed in the preseason that we would kind of hit the ground running offensively uh, in the regular season and it still looks like you know, and we still needed some it was almost like we hit the reset button and we needed to progress together as an offense to get to where we are now and uh but it's like imagine if we had this offense for the first six weeks we'd probably be like five and one maybe four and two uh in those games I mean let's take a quick look at our at our schedule real quick you know obviously we won week one I think we would have I think we could have beaten the Packers with with this offense uh because I mean we certainly would have done a better job keeping Aaron Rodgers and company off the field in the first half, you know, down twenty four to seven at halftime. We won that one twenty seven to ten, or lost that one twenty seven to ten. Uh, we would have, I think, we would have just pasted the Texans. I think we would have beaten the Giants rather handily, uh, quite frankly, even with our 
are you know difficulty stopping Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley in that one. We only gave up twenty points uh, in the game, but it's like the Vikings game was the one where that was really bad, where we gave up you know three drives and three touchdowns and three drives uh, in that one, and then in the Commanders game. That one would have been over at halftime with this, with the with the way the offense is playing now. You know, obviously we get the win over the Patriots, and then the Cowboys and the Dolphins were were more of of uh, you know defensive failures than than offensive because, like I said, last three games we're averaging thirty one points uh, a game. So, you know, if we'd have had this offense for the first six weeks, I think we go easily four and two in those first six games. So I mean, with one and two, we'd be what five and four right now. Beats the hell out of three and six. So I mean, in five and four, we're easy. We're in second place behind Minnesota. Uh, Green Bay is actually two and seven because we win that first game instead of losing it, uh, kind of thing. It's it's an interesting thing to think of. If we'd have hit the ground running offensively um, after the preseason. We'd be looking at a much different season right now a whole different outlook as far as what 2022 is and what 2023 could be so it's um it's it's interesting to uh to think about but you know the defense prior to the Roquan and uh, Robert Quinn trades um weren't giving up a lot of points but um you know it's 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 not like it was a solid top ten unit before we traded those guys away. Is what I'm saying. So, but uh, like you see in uh, the second quarter knee jerk reaction, you start to you know you continue to see the 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 defense um, faltering, and it wasn't really even so much that those guys were making their plays. You expect that from Tyreek Hill, who makes thirty million a year. Jalen Waddle was a, a top draft choice. Uh, for the uh, for the Dolphins, a first rounder and things like that, you expect to see those guys uh, being productive. But what really um, what really hurts is is the fact that when Tua was finding these guys, they were so wide open and they were gashing us huge every single time. Knee jerk reaction: Bears, Dolphins in the second quarter and. We got some good news and we got some bad news. The good news is the offense is still buzzing. You know, I think they've really found their footing uh, these last few games coming off of the uh, coming off the mini buy after the Commanders game where we had our worst offensive showing uh, of the season. Um, you know, we've had the ball four times in the first half, and we've gotten in the second quarter literally the first play as soon as I hit. Uh, as soon as I stopped recording, uh, we ran our first play of the second quarter, which was an 18-yard touchdown pass to Cole Komet, his second touchdown in two weeks after going something like 30 games without an offensive touchdown or a touchdown period uh, for Komet that made it 10-7. But the bad news is we still have to play defense um, from time to time, and they let the Dolphins march right down the field. I mean, they made the first drive – look even easier. I mean, and granted, we gave up 30 yards on defense on that first drive with a pass interference call. But, I mean, which says a lot about them making it look easier the second time around. They march right down the field, and then um, Tua hits uh, Tyreek Hill for a touchdown pass where 
Hill was open for about five yards in every direction. So, I mean, it's not like you want to pay much attention to a guy like Tyreek Hill. He's he's only the most dangerous wide receiver in the NFL. So I'm, I'm sure if we do nothing to adjust to that, we'll be just fine. Uh, the other bad news was we had a special teams gaffe. Um, Trenton Gill, our solid rookie punter, decided to take about five seconds to kick the ball uh, there after uh, we went three and out or or after we were forced to punt around midfield. I mean, this this thing never had a chance. I mean, he just held on to the ball forever. It, it didn't, I don't recall him juggling the snap or anything like that, but nonetheless, I mean, the Dolphins were on top of it so badly that the 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 defender didn't block it with his hands. He blocked it with his stomach. I mean, that's just how far into the the, the rush that they were. Scooped it right up, ran it in for a touchdown, made it twenty-one to ten. And then the good news: we came right back down the field, scored a touchdown, make it twenty-one to seventeen. And the funny thing was, a great touchdown throw from Fields to to Mooney. Ironically. Nine games in, this is Darnell Mooney's first touchdown catch of the season. Uh, my first thought was, we left too much time. Because Mooney catches the pass, there's a buck 53 left to go uh, in the half. And sure enough, the Dolphins come marching right down the field, got the ball into field goal range. We finally stop him on third down, uh, which again, that was one of my keys to the game. We got to stop him on third down. I think that was the first one where we actually did and uh, forced a field goal attempt, which he hooked wide left. So it's 21-17 at the half, and uh, the bad news is Miami gets the ball back to start the second half, so it could be 28-17 in short order, unless Allen Williams has another batch of uh, brilliant second-half adjustments that will help uh, get this uh, Dolphins uh, offense under control. Because if that doesn't happen, uh, we're going to have to score 40 uh, to win this game, and we'll have to see how that works out. So hopefully Williams brings in a score of, of, of adjustments that help us bottle up that defense, and the offense keeps plugging along because they're playing awesome right now. Once again, I believe you call that foreshadowing because I said the Bears would have to score 40 to win this game, and that was accurate. They... Uh, they gave, ended up giving up 35, 40 would have been enough, uh, but uh, unfortunately not not as much as we were able to crank out on this particular uh, Sunday. But, you know, like I said, they came marching right down the field, seven plays, 75 yards, um, you know, first play, uh, Tua finds Tyreek Hill for 25 yards. A couple plays later, uh, to a t- across the middle to Waddle for 26 yards, uh, short pass to Cedric Wilson for 14 yards on the play after that, and then two plays later, Tua finds. Uh, oh, that was uh, a penalty. My bad. Two plays, uh, two three plays later, Tua finds Hill for uh, it was a three yard uh, touchdown. But like I said, he was open. Tyreek Hill was open for five yards in, in, in every direction. There wasn't a defender in the neighborhood uh, when, he, uh, when he caught the ball. So it's not a good, not a good situation. Uh, and then the block punt is like, obviously, uh, you know, going back and, and, and having a chance to, to look at it, 
it was more about a failure up front, obviously, with the blocking than it was about how long Trenton Gill was taking to kick the ball. It just feels like it takes forever when 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 the block is made to look that easy, you know. Because like I said, the guy blocked it with his stomach. That's how deep into the backfield he was, was that he didn't need his hands. He could have literally just done like a big starfish splash onto the onto the punt to, to block it because he didn't need his hands. He could have been armless and ran in there and blocked the punt with his torso. That's how far up the field he was uh, when he blocked it uh, and everything. And then, like I said, the the defender picked it up and ran it, uh, scooped it right up and ran it in for the uh, for the touchdown, you know, on our first three and out uh, of the game. Uh, and then, like I said, the good news was we, we, we answered. We came right back down the field. Uh, you know, 12 plays, 75 yards, five and a half minutes. And, uh, you know, Fields made a hell of a throw to Darnell Mooney in the corner of the end zone. And, and, and a, th- a throw that, um, you know, was not only was it a good throw into the corner of the end zone, but it was also in a spot where Mooney going up against, you know, Xavier Howard, one of the best corners in the league, he put it in a spot where only Mooney could go up uh, and get it, and and Darnell came down with a hell of a, a catch uh, to make it twenty one to uh, seventeen uh, in that one. And it just it was an, another solid drive uh, for us. Montgomery had a nice eight yard run uh, in there. Actually, it was a good drive for us running the football. To be completely honest, um, we uh, yeah, it was a nice seventeen yard. Fields had a nice run, seventeen yards. In there, Montgomery had runs of four and uh, eight. Um, let's see, eight more is yeah. It was a good run, good good solid drive for us, and that has been the big difference with the offense since the mini buy is that the drives are sustained. It's not like we're we're not an explosive offense that that can generate those big plays like the Dolphins, where they can you know do a seventy five yard drive in four plays because it was like three twenty five-yard plays and boom we're in the end zone kind of thing but it's you know it's it's been a nice mix of play calls from Getze some of the things are just the fact that we have one of the more dynamic athletes at, at quarterback and he can see something and then and and the the way that he's been getting away from the rush lately has truly been extraordinary uh to watch and, uh, you know, avoiding this guy, making that guy miss, breaking this tackle, getting away from that guy, and then he's out in the open and, and getting as much yards as he needs uh, for the first down. Uh, it's truly been a, uh, a pleasure uh, to watch. And, and it's, it's, it's been a vindication for a lot of us who have, like for me, I was over the moon when we drafted Justin Fields, and I felt so badly for him last year watching him suffer in 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 uh in Matt Nagy's offense where where that dickhead just refused to actually do anything that Justin Fields might be good at and still watching him occasionally do amazing things like that touchdown run uh against the 49ers the the comeback against the Steelers on Monday night football that the defense ruined uh and things like that and then we get to this this regime they're saying all the right things but for the first 4 or 5 weeks it's like Actually, you know, six if you count the commander game as well. It's just where where is that? You know, it's like, yeah, you're you know, he's doing things occasionally 
uh, with his feet, but there are no designed runs. It still looks like we're running Nagy's offense for Andy Dalton out there a lot of the times and relying more on the running game and not even trying to, uh, you know, throw the ball at times. It, it, like we don't trust him passing it and things like that. I mean, these were discussions that we were having, things that I was saying as far as like based on on how the offense is operating, it doesn't look like we trust Justin Fields. And at times when we do trust him, it doesn't look like he trusts himself. All of that's gone now. You know, it's 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 gone now. It's like Fields looks way more confident out there. He's making, you know, making throws, making decisions and things like that. I don't think I've once caught myself yelling at Justin to get rid of the ball in in the last three weeks where it's like before it was a chronic thing. He's back there, he's back there, he's back there, he's running, he's juking, he's driving. It's like, Justin, get rid of the ball because it's like you're getting cornered here. You can't run. Get rid of the football. Well, now he's just flat out running the ball. He'll just take. He'll just tuck it in and he'll run. He's not waiting eight seconds to do it or anything like that. And when he does drop back and he sees this guy, boom, the ball is out. There's no time to... It's all read and react now for Justin, and it's been working like gangbusters for us. And, um, you know, despite the despite the block punt and the easy points for the Dolphins, we're only down by four at halftime because of Fields and the offense being able to keep pace. We, we tied the second quarter 14-14, uh, which was, you know, a nice thing to see, but... We come out in the second half, and that little foreshadowing that I said about, well, the Dolphins start with the ball, so it's going to be 28-17 in short order, came true. And uh, it was frustrating to watch that uh, those those second-half adjustments for Allen Williams and the defense didn't kick in until the third quarter was over. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your PointsBet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this T-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstalk Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink, and thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears and Dolphins, and it's another good news, bad news. The good news is the offense is still looking pretty good. Uh, The bad news is we still have to play defense occasionally, and we played... We gave the Dolphins the ball three times uh, in that quarter. They scored two touchdowns and then kind of shot themselves in the foot on their last one. They were driving once again. Uh, they had like a third and five or something like that. And uh, Tua fumbled the snap and had to recover it. 
Um, it would have been like a 52, 53-yard field goal attempt into the wind. So Miami goes for it on fourth down, and, and Tua overshoots uh, Jacecki out in the flat. So the Bears finally get a defensive stop, their first one of the game. Because uh, the only other time that Miami didn't score, they missed a field goal. So that's not exactly a defensive stop, if you ask me. But, uh, yeah, Miami has yet to punt today. So the punter for Miami isn't going to need a shower unless we uh, somehow make him punt like five times in the fourth quarter. And, and I seriously doubt that. The Dolphins are just going right up and down the field. Uh, Allen Williams is pretending like this zone defense they're running uh, against the Dolphins is working uh, because every time the ball goes to Hill or, uh, or, or Jalen Waddle or whatever, those guys are so stinking wide open. It's not even funny. You know, there's nobody around for yards. It's not like they're catching the ball and being dragged down immediately. They're catching the ball and getting at least four or five yards, if not more, after the catch uh, to just, you know, keep marching the ball uh, down the field. They're up 35-25 right now. The biggest play of the quarter is Justin Fields' run on third and six. He breaks the pocket, runs it up the field, takes it down the sideline. Next thing you know, he's in the end zone. Uh, we go for two, and then it was 28-25 at that point. But then again, unfortunately, we had to put the defense back out on the field, and the Dolphins march right down in like five, six plays, whatever it was, to, to go back up by 10. So... The Bears have the football right now. I think they're going to be going for it on fourth and short uh, to start the fourth quarter, down by 10. I don't know. Let's see. Maybe if the defense got a little uh, juice from finally stopping them or whatever, we get a first down, maybe score again. Who knows? I got to tell you, it's been a breath of fresh air not worrying about whether or not the offense is going to be able to keep pace. Because that has been such an issue for the longest time uh, as, a, as a Bear fan. It, it has always been, well, we're down by 10, and with the way our offense is playing, it might as well be 100. How many times have I said that over the years? And, you know, even under Nagy, who was supposed to be this offensive guru, that was the case as well. You know, it's like, right, well, right now, this, like going into that fourth quarter against the, the Steelers last year. We're down 20 to 6 or something like that. Did I really expect Justin Fields to lead three touchdown drives in that one? Not at all, but somehow it happened. And we had the lead until the defense let Big Ben and company just roll right down the field uh, and, and kick the game winning field goal. But, you know, like I said, coming right out of the gates in the, uh, in the third quarter, four plays, 75 yards, two a to Tyreek Hill for 22 yards on the first play. Uh, Jeff Wilson, the running back, run right up the gut, 28 yards on second down. Uh, only a seven-yard pass, or excuse me, a seven-yard run on, on the next down. And then finally, if an 18-yard uh, throw to uh, Sanders, or excuse me, from to Waddle. I'm sorry, an 18-yard pass to Waddle for the touchdown. So four plays. Barely two minutes off the clock, Miami's back in the end zone again. And then, you know, Justin Fields has his amazing moment with the 61-yard uh, touchdown run, and we go for two to make it a field goal game and, and you know, succeed. But I was it was a minute 27 off the clock because it was 
third down. It was it was either we're going three and out or this is happening, and that happened uh, instead. And boom, you know, we're in the end zone and we're we're still doing this. But then, you know, I got my drives mixed up because it was four plays to score on the opening drive of the second half and 11 for the second one. But nonetheless, Miami marched right down the field uh, once again. Uh, looking at it, they only had... They had three third downs. They had two conversions and a touchdown on that drive. So again, third down being an issue for the Bears. We got them third and two and then third and seven. And on those plays, third and two, they got 12 yards. Third and seven, they got 18. This this has been the, the what was so frustrating about it is that we get ourselves in a position to get off of the field and get the ball back in our offense's hands who's – you know the the word I like to use yesterday was buzzing. They they were definitely buzzing yesterday, and we have this opportunity. Get them off the field. Get the ball back in Justin Fields' hands. You know, get it out of theirs, and 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 you know, possibly score some points. At that point, we could have we were in a position to either tie or take the lead if we get the ball back. And I had all the confidence in the world that we could absolutely with the way our offense was playing. It's a different sensation, believe me. But, you know, we come out, third and two, we give up 12 yards uh, on a pass to Jalen Waddell. Third and seven, an 18-yard pass to Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know, and then finally it was third and seven, and, <clears throat> and Jeff Wilson uh, pass out of the backfield for the touchdown for 10 yards. So it's, it's, it's become a, a thing for the Bears' defense. We're down in distance on third down. Doesn't matter whether it's second and th- or third and two, third and seven, third and seventeen. We're going to give up what they need in order to do it. And you know the twelve yard pass to to uh, to Waddle, the eighteen yard pass to Hill is is what I was talking about. Was that days these guys were so wide open, it was ridiculous. There was nobody around for yards in any direction, and they're just cranking it right down the field. Whatever they need, they're getting it, and then some. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it, it was, it just, um, it was really, really frustrating uh, to watch. You know, just, just, I know with, with guys like this, you don't necessarily want to run man coverage because then you can really get hurt. You can give up the big play uh, with the man coverage. And then and the cover two is designed to keep everything in front of you so as not to give up the big play. That's fine. But the zones, there was nobody in those zones that were supposed to be protecting because Waddle and Hill right down right up right through the middle of the field over and over again. It was to his favorite throw to make was finding a soft spot right in the middle of the field and he found it every single time and and these guys just gashed us. I mean, let's look at the stats real quick for um for the Dolphins Tyree Kill, seven catches on eight targets, 143 yards. Jalen Waddle, five catches on seven targets, 85 yards. So, you know, longs of 39 and 26, respectively, for for each of these guys. And, you know, Tua ended up with just under 300 yards, I believe. 302. So, yeah, three touchdowns, no picks, no sacks. He was only pressured like once or twice uh, the entire football game. Uh, one of which was an absolute joke because 
the guy that was blocking Justin Jones, who who generated the pressure, uh, was basically tearing his shirt to pieces, but there was no holding call. So, yeah, we'll get to that uh, as well because the fourth quarter was uh, quite the display of officiating, if you want to call it that. So, but in the fourth quarter, you know, we're only down, we're only down 10. It's with the way our offense is playing, it's not impossible to think that we could narrow that gap. It was more about stopping or slowing down the Dolphins so we could get the ball back to them. Um, And in the end, this was the one quarter the Dolphins didn't score points in, but then we had to play against the referees after we figured out that Dolphins offense and started to slow them down, we had to contend with the referees, and that did not work out. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears and Dolphins. In the end, it was just too little, too late. The defense actually shut the Dolphins out in the fourth quarter. No points scored uh, by the Finns, and the Bears added another touchdown, a second Cole Komet touchdown pass from Justin Fields. Um, And in the end, when the defense was finally buckling down, the offense just couldn't come through. But here on this final drive, man, we got screwed by the refs on uh, third and 10. uh, Justin Fields back to throw, lets it fly. He's got Chase Claypool for a 50-50 ball. This is what we brought Chase Claypool in for, to be that guy that wins those contested catches, to use that big frame of his to come down with it. And his defender has him around the waist and is pulling him to the ground. No flag for pass interference. And this is on the heels of a huge miscall on on pass interference. Not a miscall, but just a messed up call, I should say. They called Eddie Jackson for pass interference on incidental contact. Eddie Jackson has got his head turned. He's looking back at the ball like he's going to be the receiver. He runs into... I think it was it was either Waddle or Hill, one of the two, that like jumped up to try to catch the ball. Eddie bumps into him before the ball gets there, and they call it a uh, pass interference call. It was like, never mind, Eddie's playing the ball. He's playing the ball, he's looking back for it, and thankfully that was in the fourth quarter, so Miami came up empty eventually when we stopped him on fourth down, but it put the Bears way back in, in their own territory as opposed to it being around midfield where the where the pass came from. Um, but, you know, right there at the end, uh, we, the third and ten throw to Chase Claypool, no flag on that one. And then Equinemia St. Brown was open on fourth and ten. Fields made a great throw right through his hands. Right through his hands, he drops it, give the ball back to Miami who just got done uh, kneeling it and, and running out the clock. So, you know... I'm not saying we should have won this one. I'm saying that the referees robbed us of the opportunity. And there you have it. I think that would be a, a an accurate description of, of what happened there in the final moments of the game. You know, the defense played terribly for three quarters and was working on it there in the fourth, but the referees took over for the Dolphins uh, in, in uh, you know, in beating up on us first with that, and it was Waddle. I kept thinking it was Hill. It was Waddle. That was the intended receiver of that pass interference call. It was terrible. An absolute terrible call. Like Eddie's looking back for it. Not you know, as if he's not even concerned about where the defender is, as far as like him, he's making a play on the ball. 
He's not he's not turning around, sticking his hand in Waddle's face, you know, literally, you know, actively keeping him from catching the football. He's playing the ball. He thinks he's got a beat on this for an interception. Waddle actually stops short, jumps up, and Eddie bumps into him, and they call that pass interference. Eddie's playing the ball. He's had his head back the whole time. He's looking at the football. He's not aware of where Jalen Waddle is. He's got every right to the ball that Jalen Waddle does when it's in the air like that. And it wasn't like it was egregious and he he did it on purpose. It was incidental contact. He was playing the ball, as I keep saying over and over again. And they call the flag on that. Fast forward to third and 10 with Chase Claypool. This guy was not even worried about the football or where it was. He had... He was all he was concerned about was keeping Chase Claypool from catching it and grabbed him around the waist, was hugging him around the waist, pulled him to the ground. And then the second defender, I believe, also got there early. He hit uh, Claypool just as just before the ball got there. So there would Clay, Chase Claypool had never had a chance, never had a chance to catch the ball. And it wasn't because of stellar defense by the Dolphins. <laughs> They did everything they could to cheat on that play to keep Claypool, which is football. That happens every day. But that's also the referee's job to call the flag, you know, to throw the penalty and throw the throw the flag, call the penalty like that. That's how emotional I am right now. I'm mixing up my sentences and whatnot. But I mean, and, and then, of course, you see all the still photos of the play. The referee's literally standing right there. It happens right in front of him. Right there in front of him, no flag. No flag. Doesn't. Never mind that he's bear-hugged around the waist and that he's being pulled to the ground. Never mind that. No flag. Nothing. And then, like I said, Equinemius St. Brown, ball went right through his hands. And he doesn't have rain or anything like that uh, to blame it on uh, or anything. He just flat out did not drop the football or did not catch the ball. Went right through his goddamn hands. Just right through. It was a good throw from Fields put it in a place where only St. Brown could go get it and, you know, did like the little sidearm job to, to put it down there. And it was there, hit him flush. It's not like it was on the fingertips and it was just out of his reach right through his hands. All 10 fingers touched the ball, went right through his hands. So, yeah. So like I said, at the end, it's like, I'm not saying that the bears should have won this game. I'm saying that the referees robbed us of the opportunity because we shouldn't have been, Starting that final drive from that deep uh, in the territory, it should have just been an incomplete pass. And, you know, maybe we'd have been deep down there, but at least we would have had a chance to maybe return a punt to to take it uh, out, you know, to, to, to return it and get some uh, yardage uh, and everything. Let's pull up the uh, pull up the play by play real quick and see where we were at uh, with that one. Yeah. I'm looking for the okay. There it is. The Dolphins were at the oh, that's the Dolphins were at their own 18 yard line, and they called the pass interference, a 47 yard penalty that put them at the Chicago 35 yard line. 47 yards, one of the worst calls I've seen. It's it's it was terrible. So yeah. And then after that, we uh, gave up a uh, first down. And then the Dolphins go for it on, on fourth and one. Uh, 
and we stop them. We stop them. But we're starting, by the time we finally stop the Dolphins, we're at our own 14-yard line, as opposed to making them punt from their own 18. That's totally flipped field position. So I was thinking it was, you know, they were around midfield when that happened. I I wasn't remembering how big a play that was as far as yardage uh, and everything. I was just pissed off at the call. Because it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Eddie's got his head turned around. He's looking for the ball. He's playing the ball. He's got every right to the ball. And, you know, Waddle jumps up to try to catch it, and Eddie bumps into him. As he's looking back to try to make a play on the ball, if anything, Waddle interfered with him. That's I think that's actually what Eddie was trying to say when uh, when, when the flags came out and there's Eddie uh, John at the officials, he's trying to say he kept me from catching the ball. That's de- that's offensive pass interference. He can't do that, you know, or at least not in the way that he did it anyway. So, yeah, it's um, it didn't go that way, and then that was the call that they gave, and then they weren't consistent with it, and you know they called it on uh, you know on Claypool earlier because the guy was uh had Claypool's right hand. And was basically latched onto his arm, wasn't going to let him make a two-handed grab. And so they called it right the first time. But then this guy's got, I mean, I guess for that particular referee, as long as your arms are free, it's, uh, you know, not pass interference. Because that guy had him hugged around the waist, literally dragging him to the ground uh, as the ball is coming. But no pass interference on that one. So we don't know what would have happened. Um, but with the way the offense was playing, I have every... I mean, the penalty, at the very least, puts us in field goal range. Even though we would have been kicking into the wind, it would have been a hell of a field goal attempt for Santos. We would have at least had the chance to tie it and maybe send it to overtime and, and see what happens there or, or, or whatever, or watch the defense disappoint us and let Miami march down the field. But, you know, we'll never know because the referees robbed us of the opportunity. So, anyway, there you have it, guys. That is the recap for... Uh, the Bears and the Dolphins. The Bears come away with the loss. We're two and two at home, three and six overall. The Dolphins now six and three, having won three in a row. They started three and zero. Oh, they lost three straight, and now they've won three straight. So they're six and three, only a game and a half behind, only a half game I should say behind um, Buffalo because the Jets beat the Bills yesterday. So uh, the Jets are six and three. The Dolphins are six and three. Buffalo's already had their bye week, so they're six and two. So they're they're still in first place, even though they're zero and two in the division right now, uh, because they're you know they have fewer losses in the loss column. Uh, but that whole division: Buffalo six and two, New York six and three, Miami six and three, and then the Patriots are five and four after beating the Colts yesterday. Something about those Eastern divisions uh, this year: everybody but the uh, Commanders is, uh, you know, got a winning record in those two divisions. But anyway, guys, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up with everybody's favorite segment, Bear Up, Bear Down. Bear Up, Bear Down. For week number nine, unfortunately, another loss for our beloved Chicago Bears, and um, this this won't take long. It's going to be a relatively short list on on both sides. 
um, kind of narrow it down to the to the key players, uh, if you will. Um, bear up, Cole Komet, two touchdown uh, catches, um, the first one and the last one uh, that Justin Fields threw, um, becoming more and more of a of a sure handed weapon for a guy that was having trouble making catches uh, last year, and then early in in this season had the case of the dropsies. Um, you know, they even got him running the football. <laughs> Uh, on uh, on Sundays, uh, on earlier today as well, you know, and just uh, was uh, interesting to see us see the Bears do it. Like two straight plays. He, they did one of those uh, jet sweeps with Cole Komet around the edge, got like nine yards on that play, and then came right back and came in motion and then was under center, took the snap, and pushed the ball ahead for a first down. Uh, very interesting afternoon for Cole Komet, but it's – like Justin Fields, even though it's taken a little bit longer for Cole Komet, it's nice to see him becoming the player that we drafted him uh, to be, you know, to be our tight end. I mean, there, there's been so much discussion about the Bears and what we need to do in the offseason. We need to add another receiver, uh, you know, add some pieces to the offensive line, definitely need to work on the defensive line in the front seven uh, and everything, and then I think life will become a lot easier for the secondary because I think we have – a really good secondary, actually, and um, you know, and and uh, getting a new tight end or a new pass catching tight end was always a part of that discussion. I think if Cole Komet keeps putting the games together like he has these last few weeks, we won't really be looking. Maybe we'll be looking for a complimentary guy, but I don't think we'll be looking for tight end number one uh, again. So uh, he had a fantastic game uh, today, two touchdowns and uh, and everything else. Bear up. Riley Reef wasn't so much anything spectacular that he did, but just the fact that um, I think that he has contributed greatly to the fact that Justin Fields hasn't been under as much pressure uh, as he was. All this, all due respect to uh, Larry Larry Borum uh, and everything, who was uh, healthy and passed concussion protocol, but Reef went out for the second week in a row. And and frankly, I know you're not supposed to lose your job to to injury and whatnot, but just to compare and contrast Riley Reef to Larry Borum and, and their production uh, on the field, I say Riley Reef should be our starting right tackle for the rest of the season. I really do. So I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah, or maybe they'll throw Larry Borum back out there next week against the Lions and see how it goes. And, and hopefully if he struggles, Riley Reef gets back out there because, you know, Eberflus and company are not afraid to uh, put somebody else out there if you're not getting it done. But um have to wait and see on that one. I just, you know, Riley Reef was awesome last week against the Cowboys, was solid again once again this week against the uh, Dolphins. I think he should be the guy uh, going forward. Uh, bear up Darnell Mooney. You know, amazing touchdown catch uh, in that one. He was also getting involved uh, in the passing game uh, as well. Seven catches, only 43 yards. But, uh, you know, we didn't have a prolific day throwing or catching the ball. For either of them, you know, Cole Komet, five catches, 41 yards, two touchdowns, Mooney, seven, 43, uh, and one touchdown. But it seemed like, you know, just about every catch Mooney made was was important in, in one way uh, or another. And then, uh, you know, finally, bear up to, you know, Justin Fields. How do you not? You know, 17 of 28, so not as uh, prolific or as good a percentage. But 17 of 28 is still like 61 percent that's on the right side uh, of things but uh, 123 yards three touchdown passes 
in that one. And of course, he set the NFL single season or single game record for rushing for a quarterback, breaking Michael Vick's record of 173 with 178 yards rushing uh, in that game. And he had this, what what's what's even more amazing is even if you take out his 61 yard touchdown run. He still had 117 yards rushing in this game on 14 carries. That's outstanding. So, uh, you know, I, I was listening. I've been listening to podcasts all week and, and talking about the Roquan trade. Adam Hogue, um, on several occasions, has said that the Bears traded away their best player. And I'm like, every time he said it, it bothered me because Roquan wasn't our best player. He was maybe our best defensive player, but even that was in debate when Robert Quinn was still on the team. You know, the best player on the team is on the offensive side. It always has been. Whether it was David Montgomery, who has kind of fallen off, or if you want to throw Khalil Herbert in there, but obviously the best player that we have on offense or on the team, period, right now is Justin Fields. Full stop. It's not a discussion. He's the best player we have right now. And he's being, he's playing the best football, and he's a huge reason why we've been as productive as we have been. He's a huge reason why we were in the games that we were in. Uh, even when, when the offense was struggling, if the offense was moving, it was more because of him than it was anything else. And he is a major reason why the Bears are the number one rushing team uh, in the NFL because Mooney, or excuse me, Montgomery and, and Herbert did not have a good day running the football. Uh, yesterday 14 carries 36 yards for Montgomery seven carries 23 yards for Herbert but we ended up with 252 yards on the ground because Justin Fields cranked in 178 so you know it's because neither Herbert or Montgomery are in like the top 10 uh, of rushers right now I'd, I'd like to see where Justin Fields is actually after after yesterday's uh, or today's game I should say so we'll see so those are all the bear ups. I only have one bear down, and that's the Allen Williams. You got to get it figured out, man. You have got to get us a better defensive game plan in the first half. I mean, even when we only gave up fourteen uh, to the Patriots, it was on back to back drives in the second, in the first quarter, in the first half. Uh, the Cowboys four five drives in the first half, four uh, touchdowns. You know, uh, I, I think it's it's one thing to allow a team to score five times in a football game. It's another thing entirely for every one of those scores to be touchdowns. That is a recipe for disaster. You will not win football games that way. You know, if we, if we had held firm and, and been a bend but don't break like we were earlier on in the season and we're giving up the field goals instead of touchdowns, it's a different discussion. But every single time a team gets their hands on the ball, they're marching it right down the field and putting it in the end zone. There's only, I mean, even before the offense started playing this well, this is an impossible situation you're putting your offense in. They have to go in and do what's virtually impossible in the league and score every time out just to give ourselves a chance uh, to win football games. So there, there's, uh, there's got to be... Something else that can be done. Maybe Coach Eberflus needs to get involved with the defensive game plan. Maybe play calling needs to be turned over to somebody else. Something to put our defense in a better chance to succeed. You know, 
and and guys, I I know we don't have Roquan or or uh, Robert Quinn anymore. But as I said earlier, it's not like the defense was one of the top units in the league before this started happening. You know, we were still getting gashed. We were still giving up points. We still weren't, you know, getting teams off the field on third down. It's just obviously the, the points have become an issue now. But, you know, we finally get our offense figured out and the defense has gone down the drain. This is not a good situation. So, it's like, and I know that most, because uh, I, I, I keep seeing it online, people talking about, well, you know, Justin Fields is playing well. And we improved our draft position. I think we're at number eight overall uh, at this point instead of, I think, 12 after the Cowboys game last week. I'm not worried about that shit. That, all that stuff will work itself out. It's, it's not going to be one of those things where, you know, six months from now or whatever when the draft is taking place that we're all cursing that win over the Lions because it was the difference between getting this guy or that one or anything. Never mind all that. The offseason will work itself out. I've, I have full faith in, in Ryan Poles and what he'll be able to do with an, open, with an open checkbook. You know what I'm saying? He's basically being given a blank check for, uh, for free agency with this over $100 million, uh, in cap space. He'll figure something out. I don't, I don't think he'll spend every dime, but he'll use it wisely and bring in the people that will be able to help us. So. I'm not worried about the draft position and, and all that kind of stuff. You saw what he did with five picks and, and all that kind of stuff. He turned it into Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, Braxton Jones, Trenton Gill. You know, we had uh, was Jack Sanborn was our starting middle linebacker yesterday. Played well, led the team in tackles. He had seven solo tackles in the game, led the team uh, and everything. So we've seen what he can do. With the draft, with the rookie free agents, and and things like that, uh, I I have no problem with. Uh, you know, I don't think the Bears need to have a top ten pick in order to have a successful draft. Ryan Poles, I think, is capable of doing fine, no matter where we end up. I want to see the team win. You know, I want to watch us win. So the 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 fact that you know we're improving drafts, those are kind of silver linings to this, and and ones that I can live without. Completely honest with you. I don't give a damn what our draft position is right now. I do not care. It is not in the silver lining discussion that I have. To me, the silver, the silver lining is, you know, Justin Fields is progressing um, despite what's what's around him or or more specifically what's not around him, despite the defense putting him in, you know, in a tough situation week in and week out lately. Uh, he's still going out there and and producing Boy, if we get this guy, you know, if we surround him with talent, like kind of like what Tua is going through uh, in Miami, and and you know what the Chiefs consistently do out there in Kansas City, and and things like that. What the Bills did, I mean, the Bills is a perfect example. You know, they went out and got Stephon Diggs, they drafted Gabe Davis, and, and all of a sudden, you know, they are a juggernaut on on offense, and probably the team going to the Super Bowl this year if they can stop having games like the one they had today against the Jets. So, you know, it can be done. And if we get some people around fields, he's going to go from being special right now to being elite and one of a kind uh, in the near future. So I'm not worried about any of the like draft position or any of that bullshit. I'm, I'm more concerned with the progress that Justin Fields is making and winning football games. I want to see the Bears win. I hate picking against 
my guys, I hate the fact that I was right about this. I wanted to be so wrong and be sitting here eating crow, uh, talking about how I got that pick wrong and all the rest of that stuff. I want to watch the Bears win. The hell with this. So, and finally, and most valuable bear, I mean, it's, it's Fields out the gate, full stop. It's there is nobody else more important to the team uh, yesterday. So, there you have it, guys. That's going to do it for the week nine review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back tomorrow on Tuesday when uh, we will be uh, wrapping up week number nine, talking about all the games. How did I do? Well, it's like the Sunday night game is. Uh, has just wrapped up the Chiefs won I'm at 8-4 and four with the Monday night game to go so I'm doing pretty well so if uh, the Ravens win I'll be 9-4 and four, uh, and it'll be another good week for me so come on back tomorrow we'll recap all the games and uh, get ready for uh, week number 10 when the Lions come into town so until then my name is Larry D and this has been the Bear Sock Underground Bear Sock Underground